to the Environmental Justice Report with me, your host and producer, Janine Moloff. First, I'm going to play a little bit of a ditty. It just captures the spirit of progressives everywhere hitting the streets, defying unjust authority, and fighting for justice. Here we go. Okay, I just had to play that. I love that. I love this sound. It's, it's a, an audio from another protest. And, you know, once again, it just, it's genuine. And I love that. Anything is genuine. So welcome to EJR, as I call it, or the Environmental Justice Report with me, your host, Janine Moloff. Well, today's Earth Day, Earth Day 2021. And this Earth Day we're forced once again to witness in horror what can only be called the systemic hypocrisy of wealthier nations they lecture poorer nations about quitting fossil fuels now this show is about not necessarily fossil fuels but the nuclear industry specifically if you saw our advert you saw the headline is japan plans to dump nuclear wastewater into the ocean and Greenpeace cries foul and cites how this violates international law. Now, I realize nuclear isn't the same as fossil fuel. Not exactly, but it's a dirty fuel. It's touted as a clean fuel, but it's far from. Because what do you do with the spent fuel, which is the waste? Again, it's not safe to be around, but once again, that's what we have. So. Though the nuclear industry isn't directly a fossil fuel, it's a dangerous, dirty fuel that threatens, in theory, to destroy all life on this planet only much faster than fossil fuel if we're not careful. So though nuclear energy is advertised to clean energy, it is anything but clean or safe. Now, Japan's been using nuclear energy for some time with no genuine plan to deal with nuclear waste posed by the spent fuel. And the world witnessed 10 years ago, in 2011, how the disaster of Fukushima played out because the corporation selling nuclear energy, namely TEPCO, P-E-P-C-O, proved utterly incompetent to create and use a reasonably efficient emergency plan. They were unprepared. But on top of that, there, to present date, there is no safe way to dispose of nuclear waste. And the situation in Japan, it's 10 years later, but it really does present a Pandora's box of equally bad options. And we're going to be talking about a story today, this Earth Day 2021. So I, I want to say that I covered this issue uh, after this occurred. And I, I wrote an extensive article that published not only in the, unfortunately now defunct UK Progressive, but it also published in Nation of Change as well as 
um, Eurasia Review. So let's talk about the introduction. So, you know, in 2011, the Fukushima nuclear power plant suffered a major breach when a tsunami knocked out the plant. And to those of you who aren't sure what a tsunami is, basically it's a tornado or it's a hurricane that occurs in the water. And as a result, nuclear waste flooded that area of Japan. Now, for over a year after the Fukushima incident, the TEPCO Corporation obfuscated and, frankly, they just plain lied about the severity of this incident. So now we have 10 years later, Japanese authorities have cleared a plan to dump the nuclear wastewater into, guess where? The ocean, despite international condemnation. So during this episode, we're going to revisit the original disaster, now simply referred to as Fukushima. We're going to also discuss any alternative ideas for this wastewater treatment and disposal. So here we go. So in Common Dreams, just this past Tuesday, Kenny Stansel, who's a staff writer, wrote, and the, the, wrote this piece, and the, art, the headline is, quote, Greenpeace says Japan's plan to contaminate Pacific Ocean with Fukushima water would violate international law. Okay? Another quote here, quote, the government has taken the wholly unjustified decision to deliberately contaminate the Pacific Ocean with radioactive waste, end quote. So this is a decision, it, it is, according to Stansel from Common Dreams, who's a wonderful writer, by the way, it has brought about quite a bit of condemnation, predictably from environmental advocates, but also from the fishing industry and those who, you know, in, even individual fishermen who derive their income from that activity, as well as neighboring countries. You know, you got to remember, Japan's an island nation. This article broke the same day Japan announced this plan on Tuesday the 13th. The plan is to dump some 1.2 million tons of stored contaminated wastewater that has accumulated from the Fukushima Daiichi nuclear power plant into the Pacific Ocean. Now this is as documented by Al Jazeera. Now the decision to do this was made by the Japanese Prime Minister, I'm, I'm sure I'm gonna mispronounce this, so please forgive me, Yoshihida Suga and his cabinet. So this decision in Suga's cabinet gives TEPCO the green, basically permission to dump the wastewater produced by Fukushima from that disaster into the ocean. And this is a decade, you know, after one of the worst environmental disasters known to man. Now, First of all, TEPCO that I keep referring to is just an acronym for the Tokyo Electric Power Company. But from this point on, I'll just say TEPCO. So now keep in mind, here's the plan. The, the actual dumping won't begin for another two years, according to TEPCO. And TEPCO is preparing for this process that is expected to take decades. Uh, I think the low ball estimate was 30 to 40 years. Now Greenpeace predictably issued a statement and you know of course they're opposed to this and I can't say I blame them. Greenpeace said that this decision is a quote is a violation of international maritime law 
that completely disregards the human rights and interests of the people in Fukushima, wider Japan, and the Asia-Pacific region, end quote. And that was, um, again, from, from Greenpeace, as documented in Common Dreams. Now, Greenpeace Japan, as a climate and energy campaigner, whose name is, I, again, I apologize, I'm probably going to mispronounce it, Kazue Suzuki. Now, Suzuki has been quoted as saying, quote, the Japanese government has once again failed the people of Fukushima. The government has taken the wholly unjustified decision to deliberately contaminate the Pacific Ocean with radioactive waste, end quote. Suzuki goes on to say, quote, the cabinet's decision failed to protect the environment and neglected the large-scale opposition and concerns of the local Fukushima residents as well as the neighboring citizens around Japan. Greenpeace stands with the people of Fukushima, including fishing communities, in their efforts to stop these plants, end quote. And that was from Greenpeace Japan. Now, excuse me, there was some polling data from Greenpeace Japan, according to this to Stance's article in Common Dreams. And the polling data, which, again, this was from Greenpeace.org, uh, documents that a, a sizable majority of people, in, people who live in Fukushima and really people in Japan as a whole are against this plan to, re, to basically dump this radioactive wastewater into the Pacific Ocean. Um, among the opponents, the Nationwide Federation of Japanese Fisheries Cooperatives is totally opposed. Now, Al Jazeera reported uh, on Tuesday, the same day this announcement was made, quote, uh, local fishing communities worry that years of work to convince consumers that Fukushima seafood is safe will be wiped out by the release, end quote. The Fukushima Fishermen Union Statement, okay, also said, quote, the following, the message from the government that the water is safe is not reaching the public. That's the huge problem. Our efforts in the past decade to restore the fish industry will be for nothing, end quote. Now, the Associated Press reported that the plant operator, TEPCO, in conjunction with government officials, admitted that one of the things, one of the elements that will be released in this radioactive wastewater is an element called tritium, tritium, T-R-I-T-I-U-M. And tritium apparently is not harmful if it's in small amounts. Unfortunately, it can't be removed from the water either. Um, but TEPCO and the Japanese government also claimed that all the other selected radionuclides can be reduced to what, whatever they call reasonable levels. Now, there are some scientists that claim that the long-term impact on marine life, on fish, and all the seafood and other marine life, uh, exposure in low doses to these elements, even, but in very large volumes of water, is unknown. Okay? My question of the gov to the Japanese government, to this, the uh, su uh, Suga government, what is it here? What is his name again? Excuse me. Suga, to, the su to Prime Minister Suga, as well as um, TEPCO, where is the impartial scientific data 
which could either verify or dispute this claim from TEP, by TEPCO and the Japanese government. Where is the data? You can't expect people after such a disaster that was caused by neglect to automatically believe you. Japanese government claims the water is treated, that's their word, treated in quotes, and not, quote, radioactive. Okay, so again, my question is, where is the independent data? Um, so now we have Jan Haverkamp, who's a senior expert on nuclear energy at Greenpeace. And Haverkamp warned that there is still, quote, a lot of uncertainty about the effects of tritium. Quote, the moment that I hear the word treated being used instead of contaminated, I can't think differently that this is kind of newspeak, end quote. And what Haverkamp's saying, newspeak, what they're really saying is propaganda. Another way to say it instead of propaganda, lies. We don't know. Because, again, where is the impartial, independent, scientific data? Where are the double-blind studies after a 10-year after period? Where are they? We don't know. So how they were going to deal with this contaminated wastewater, that, that plan's been delayed for years. Uh, there's been protests. People are expressing concerns about safety. Nobody really knows for sure. Prime Matsuga told lawmakers that dumping this into the Pacific Ocean was, quote, a problem that cannot be avoided, and, end quote. And the New York Times reported that Suga also said, quote, the space used to store the water is expected to run out next year, end quote. So keep in mind, all right, that this entire disaster that occurred 10 years ago, as I'm going to show you in that article I wrote practically 10 years ago, could have been avoided. This was negligence, massive negligence. But let's go on. Greenpeace's Jap Greenpeace Japan, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, their environmental, um, I guess, warrior Suzuki claims that the plan was chosen to dump it into the Pacific Ocean because it's the cheapest. Okay? And according to Suzuki, Suzuki claims that the Japanese government, quote, has discounted the radiation risk and turned its back on the clear evidence that sufficient storage capacity is available on the nuclear site as well as in surrounding districts. Rather than using the best available technology to minimize radiation hazards by storing and processing the water over the long term, they have opted for the cheapest option, dumping the water into the Pacific Ocean, end quote. And I would add that Greenpeace Japan's um, Suzuki really needs, the point that's being brought up here is one that needs to be followed up on. Given what happened 10 years ago, yes, it is perfectly reasonable to demand further investigation as opposed to basically newspeak, which again is propaganda, which again is lies. So Greenpeace published a report last month, okay, and it's in a PDF form. And 
According to the report, they said that there are, quote, alternatives to the current law decommissioning plans for Fukushima Daiichi, including options to stop the continued increase of contaminated water. Okay. Check out the report. Now, it, gets, it goes a little further. The United Nations Human Rights Special Rapporteurs warned Japan just last year. They warned them that, well, they say discharging the, waste, the wastewater. In other words, dumping this contaminated water from Fukushima into the ocean, quote, violates the rights of its citizens and neighbors. And it does. The UN also pleaded with Japanese officials, pleaded with Tuga and his government to postpone this decision. At least until after, oh dear, I'm sorry people, I'm going to get rid of this nasty little, there we go. Oh, don't you love technology? So the UN pleaded with the Japanese officials to postpone this decision. And what they were asking for was postpone the decision until after the COVID-19 pandemic was over, at least under reasonable control. And their rationale was once COVID was at least under some reasonable control, then there could be adequate international consultations. And it makes sense because right now you can't. And maybe that's what the Suga government and TEPCO is hoping for, that since because of COVID, it's a, a very happy convenience for them that we can't really send these international consults, consultants, we can't send these international consultants to double check their claims. Just a question. So Japan's plan to release this contaminated wastewater from Fukushima has also been denounced quite vociferously from Beijing and Seoul, from Beijing, China, and Seoul, South Korea. Um, Jennifer Morgan, who is the executive director of Greenpeace International, uh, was quoted that the current plan for wastewater disposal is, quote, a violation of Japan's legal obligations under the United Nations Convention on the Law of the Sea and will be strongly resisted over the coming months. And, and she went on to say, uh, this Jennifer Morgan again, in the 21st century when the planet and in particular the world's oceans are facing so many challenges and threats, it is an outrage that the Japanese government and TEPCO think they can justify the deliberate dumping of nuclear waste into the Pacific Ocean, end quote. So now we're going to go, we know that we've got this, this mess. And tonight's show might be a little long. All right. What do you do with the wastewater? And this is water that's been used to cool the spent fuel rods so they don't, they don't go um, basically... Um, well, it's a bad phrase, go nuclear, so they don't, they don't go critical, okay? But then it picks up this new, these um, radioactive, chemi- these radioactive um, uh, elements from the spent fuel rods. Keep in mind, when you think of a nuclear power plant, what they're really doing is they're taking nuclear fuel and they're aggravating it. In other words, um, they're uh, making this nuclear fuel react. So it's like a, it's like a, uh, a planned, controlled 
reaction just short of an explosion, and then they drain the energy off of it. Okay? How in the world is there any sane way to control that? It really isn't. So now, my old piece that deals with the Fukushima issue from 10 years ago in some depth. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'm going to hit some highlights, okay? And this ran in Eurasia Review. Um, and I apologize for the headline because Trump wasn't in politics really at the time. This ran in 2012. Uh, Japan, Fukushima, politics still Trump's safety. Okay. So Arnie Gunderson, who is a noted environmental activist, uh, went to Japan after all this with Fukushima, and he collected soil samples. Okay? And to quote Gunderson, quote, all the samples, in other words, the soil samples, would be considered nuclear waste if found here in the U.S., end quote. And these were soil samples that Gunderson took from parks and playgrounds and, and even some rooftop gardens in Tokyo. So I'm, I'm going to read as much as I can. So first of all, the Japanese prime minister back in 2012 declared the nuclear plant safe. And this was Japanese Prime Minister Yoshihiko Noda, and he declared uh, that nuclear units three and four of the Ojai nuclear plant were safe for operation. Uh, Prime Minister Noda back in 2012 based this declaration on stress tests, which were basically nothing more than computer simulations. The computer simulations just estimated any given reactor's ability to withstand large earthquakes and or tsunamis like last year's Fukushima disaster, like what happened in 2011. No other studies, expert testimony, or other considerations were mentioned. And unfortunately, as I wrote, for Japan and the world, NOTA couldn't be more wrong. So Gunderson took these, uh, these samples. And yet, Japanese Prime Minister NOTA in 2012 was fervently, fervently lobbying to restart nuclear reactors, fearing power losses in the hot summer. It's reported that without the start of the Ojai nuclear plant and some unnamed others, the plant operator, Kansai Electric, would only generate some 80% of previous electric output. Now, reports leaking, reports leaking citing 40, 14 reactors in similar condition as Fukushima. So you have to kind of put this in, in perspective, okay? At the time, there were reports leaking out of Japan and that included a video on Asahi TV that showed mutated plants in Tokyo. Okay? There was also a report on a site called Eni News, E-N-E, and that cited a former Fukushima Daiichi reactor operator claiming that they routinely falsified and rewrote, uh, I'm sorry, this is, let me start again. There was a report on Eni News, E-N-E, which is a noted uh, group, citing a former Fukushima Daiichi reactor operator claiming that they routinely falsified data and rewrote operations reports. That's enough information for me to doubt anything that's coming out of the present government without some form of independent investigation. So going back to my old report. Ironically, sources as conservative as Bloomberg News cited similar safety concerns. A piece by Jason Klenfeld, which ran in 2011, detailed 
how engineer Mitsuhiko Tanaka helped cover up a manufacturing defect in Fukushima Daiichi No. 4 reactor while employed by Hitachi LTD in 1974. Tanaka dubbed reactor No. 4 as a time bomb and pleaded with government officials repeatedly only to be pushed aside and ignored. Yuuchi Izumisawa, uh, basically a Hitachi spokesman, explained how the company conferred with Tanaka back in 1988, concluding no further safety concern existed. Izumisawa was recently quoted stating that, quote, we have not revised our view since then. Kenta Takahashi from the Japanese Trade Minister's Nuclear and Industrial Safety Agency, this again back in 2012, wouldn't confirm if an investigation into Tanaka's allegations had been initiated by its predecessor, the Agency for Natural Resources and Energy. Tokyo Electric Power Company spokesman Naoki Tsunoda basically refused to comment. Again, this is in 2012, right? Little, barely a year after the Fukushima incident. Tokyo Electric or TEPCO owns the plant and is the same vendor tapped to build nuclear plants in the U.S. currently planned by the Obama administration. We should be very frightened. So what was that fatal flaw in reactor number four that Tanaka was talking about? Well, it gets deeper. And this is all relevant to the mess we have now. We have to hold people accountable. So according to Tanaka, the reactor pressure vessel had warped walls, which caused the vessel to sag, and that resulted in a height and weight differentiation of more than 34 millimeters. It doesn't sound like a lot, but it's important. During the last step in a manufacturing process at the Babcock Hitachi foundry in Kure City, a deadly mistake was made. Braces, which had to be placed inside the reactor pressure vessel during a blast furnace firing, were absent. It's unclear whether the braces collapsed or were forgotten entirely. The omission of these braces produced a reactor vessel, I'm sorry, reactor press pressure vessel with warped walls. And it doesn't make a lot of sense to layperson, but let me get into it. While politicians may mock or belittle the importance of 34 millimeters, that minuscule difference is a vital safety concern. 34 millimeters can, make, can mean the difference between an intact nuclear reactor or a chain reaction bomb. Let that sink in for a minute. Nuclear regulations mandated that the vessel be scrapped, ditched in other words. Had the warped reactor walls been discovered, the replacement cost, this is money, of the vessel would have bankrupted the company. This is about money, folks. Tanaka claimed that his boss, quote, asked him to reshape the vessel so that no one would know if it had ever been damaged, end quote. Tanaka further claimed that workers at the plant covered the damaged vessel with a sheet, you know, the thing you put on your bed. It's noted that the same protective covering of a white sheet is still was still employed at Fukushima in 2012. Okay? So that sheet, that white dead sheet, It's Fukushima is very similar to, you know, the magic fence at, uh, you know, Westlake Landfill deals with nuclear waste as well. It's amazing what these people think they can get away with. Going further, the Tanaka's fix involved using pump jacks, P 
to pop out the warped areas on the wall. The company was happy because the end result looked like nothing had ever been damaged or compromised. There's no record of stress tests to determine ongoing viability of these compromised vessel walls on its own structural integrity. Yet the same reactor pressure vessel is the sole defense protecting Fukushima's number four reactor. So popping them out like that, that doesn't mean that it's reinforced. Anybody that's gotten into a fender bender or some sort of accident with a car and the body shop comes and they pop that door, you know it's been weakened, all right? It just doesn't look like it's been weakened. That's what they're talking about here. Now, luckily, reactor number four was shut for maintenance on March 11, 2011, which is the day the earthquake and the tsunami hit. So reactor number four didn't really affect things the day that the Fukushima incident occurred because it could have been much worse than it already was. In fact, Tanaka himself claims that, quote, I could be the father of a Japanese Chernobyl, end quote. Now, it gets deeper, folks. The next section of my piece back in 2012, the GE connection to Fukushima, GE General Electric. Now, Tanaka has not been the only engineer involved in the building and operation of what are called boiling water reactors. And he's not the only one who became a whistleblower against corporate practices deemed scientifically negligent in the nuclear industry. Dale G. Breidenbaugh, Gregory C. Minor, and Richard D. Hubbard are all former engineers with GE. They resigned in protest over major design flaws, flaws in the Mark I nuclear reactor designs they were reviewing. Now, they were dubbed or called the GE-3. These engineers switched sides and joined the anti-nuclear movement in 1975. That's how far back this goes, 1975. This is how far the negligence goes. The GE3 were reviewing the Mark I system, which is among the oldest reactors in use. Arguing that the Mark I system was a disaster in the making to deaf corporate ears, the three engineers quit and discussed. Now, it should be noted that five of the six reactors at Fukushima are GE-manufactured Mark I systems. Let that sink in for a minute. Now, to add further insult to injury, the GE Mark I reactors of Fukushima have, quote, 23 sisters in the U.S. Isn't that delightful? There are 23 sister reactors in the U.S. that could all be potential Fukushima disasters. I went on to say, according to the Nuclear Regulatory Commission data, 23 of the 104 existing nuclear plants in the U.S., this is again back in 2012, are GE boiling water reactors with GE's Mark I radiation containment systems. Now again, I'm reading from a piece I wrote in 2012. I just want to give you some historic perspective. Breidenbaugh was interviewed in March 15, 2011 by ABC News and explained his concerns. Quote, the problems we identified in 1975 were that in doing the design of the containment, they, in other words, GE, did not take into account the dynamic loads that could be experienced with a loss of coolant, end quote. So in other words, the integrity of the nuclear reactor's coolant system, okay, to keep things contained, to withstand what engineers call a station blackout, all right? 
um, again, must be reexamined in older and newer nuclear plants. Now, station blackout occurs when there's a power loss which compromises or destroys the cooling system. You destroy the cooling system in a nuclear power plant, things go critical pretty fast. That's what happened in Japan. And without a cooling system in play for these boiling water reactors, there's no way to prevent spent radioactive fuel from going critical, as I said a minute ago, and exploding into the atmosphere. Breidenberg explains in more genteel text speak, quote, the impact loads the containment, I'm sorry, the impact loads the containment received by this very rapid release of energy could tear the containment apart and create an uncontrolled release. Sounds like Breidenberg describing a nuclear disaster. That's my opinion. Subsequently, secondary or backup power generators are critical to public safety. Without such precautions, nuclear reactors such as those of Fukushima are little more than a radioactive time bomb looking for a place to happen. So what happened to these secondary backup generators? So we're going into the, the history of Fukushima because it speaks to the questionable integrity of TEPCO. Can they be trusted again if they're isn't some form of independent monitoring? Good question. So the next session, Fukushima revolving door. Again, this is all from a 2012 article I wrote. The problems of Fukushima are endemic to the nuclear industry at large, where executives are frequently selected from government or business ranks rather than the scientific community. This is scary, folks. The executives in the nuclear industry, at least in 2012, I'd have to double check for now, have been historically selected from government or business ranks, not from the scientific community. And Fukushima was no exception. In a WikiLeaks revelation, cable sent from the U.S. Embassy in Vienna to Washington, D.C., cited Tomohiro Tanguchi's weak leadership as head of safety and security for the International Atomic Energy Agency. Complaints mounted concerning Taniguchi's incompetence and negligence, especially with regards to the Japanese nuclear industry, 18 months before the disaster we know as Fukushima. So there was a dispatch quoting in 2009, quote, for the past 10 years, the department has suffered tremendously because of Deputy General Director Taniguchi's weak management and leadership skills, end quote. Quote, Taniguchi has been a weak manager and advocate primarily, I'm sorry, particularly with respect to confronting Japan's own safety practices, and he's a particular disappointment to the United States for his unloved stepchild treatment of the Office of Nuclear Security, end quote. And that was another cable sent on July 7, 2009. The operator responsible for Kashima Daiichi in the list TEPCO also has a reported history of fraud allegations. This was as of 2012. In 2002, five TEPCO executives resigned over allegations that they falsified nuclear plant safety records. Five, re five reactors were shut down as a result. In 2006, the Japanese government discovered false water coolant temperature readings at Fukushima Daiichi in 1985 and 1988 and ordered TEPCO to reinspect past data. 
the recheck of the suspicious data occurred after the government caught TEPCO using the early, earlier bogus data to satisfy mandatory inspections completed October of 2005. So folks, this did not happen in a vacuum. It wasn't this mistake, this, this accident that nobody could have predicted. The warning signs were there. Let's go into TEPCO again. This was as of 2012. They may have improved things by now. I'll have to check in. But as of 2012, which is only nine years ago, um, TEPCO's questionable practice, practices included the, included the following. Falsification of inspection records over many years. I'll say that again. TEPCO's questionable practices as of 2012 included the following. Falsification of inspection records over many years. Covering up data about cracks in water circulation pumps and pipes, which are critical for reactor cooling. Failure to report cracks in reactor core shrouds, which are stainless steel cylinders surrounding the reactor core. Steam dryers, access hole covers, and components associated with jet pumps, again, which circulate cooling water inside the reactors. Those keep it from going critical. Furthermore, in 1991 and 92, tests of the leak rate of a Fukushima reactor containment vessel were faked by surreptitiously, surreptitiously injecting compressed air into the containment building. Additionally, written, written records of cracks in neutron measuring equipment at Fukushima were deleted by contractor Hitachi at TEPCO's request. And finally, eight TEPCO reactors were still operating, although required repairs had not been carried out. And that's a Fukushima briefing as of March 2012. Okay. Let's go on. Mitsuhiko, I'm sorry, Mitsuhiko Tanaka, again, the same engineer who designed the flawed pressure vessel for Fukushima Daiichi Reactor Number 4, as of 2012, was a whistleblowing science journalist who exposed TEPCO's ongoing pattern of propaganda and obstruction. Tanaka accused TEPCO of blacking out documents and rigging the computer simulation used to justify restarting additional reactors. TEPCO defends denying full access to scientific records as of 2012 on the grounds that such information constitutes, quote, proprietary trade secrets, end quote. What pure garbage. When, it, when you're dealing with, some, with elements that are potentially lethal, such as nuclear or anything, let's be honest, proprietary trade secrets be damned. The public has a right to know what's really happening. So what did the Obama administration do back then? They pushed new nukes. On this backdrop, the Obama administration was actively pushing new nuclear plants with the first two plants to be built at Plant Vodal, south of Augusta, Georgia. The Nuclear Regulatory Commission has approved those plants with one sole dissenter, Gregory Jasko, the chairman of the NRC. Now, Jasko is concerned that TEPCO, which is the which as of 2012 was the chosen building partner of that enterprise, will follow the same reckless path that followed regarding Fukushima. So, the new, so basically, the Obama administration got into financial bed with TEPCO, the same company 
that was responsible for the Fukushima disaster to build some new plants here in the U.S. And JACO cited, quote, significant safety enhancements have already been recommended as a result of learning the lessons from Fukushima, and there's still more work ahead of us. Knowing this, I cannot support these licenses as if Fukushima never happened. And his position has been supported by Senator Ron Wyden, who visited Japan in 2012. Senator Wyden sent an alarm to the U.S. government via Reuters concerning the spent fuel at reactor number four. Uh, in the event of another tsunami, all that separated the spent fuels, the spent fuel pools from damage was, quote, a small makeshift seawall erected out of bags of rock. Another magic sense. Wyden then sent a letter of concern to then-Secretary of State Clinton, Energy Secretary Stephen Chu, and Chairman Gregory Jacko of the NRC. Um, his letter to Chairman Jacko of the NRC was particularly telling. Wyden sums up the greater danger of the spent or irradiated fuel. Okay? So here's the thing. We can go on. Um, primary responsibility for the Fukushima Daiichi disaster really does fall on TEPCO because they failed to safeguard something as basic, this is the really scary part, as backup power generators. Okay? Now, blame can also be assessed in the Japanese nuclear village, Medi Nice and the NSC, because they stand accused of favoring corporate profits by compromising public safety. Again, this is as of 2012. So we're looking at the historic the historic uh, record of this. Um, Japanese Government Investigation Committee, they did cite TEPCO in 2012 on planning and safety concerns um, of the following, inadequate preparation against station blackout, including lack of DC power supplies. Um, there were omitted operational manuals essential for recovering instrumentation equipment and power supplies. There, were, there was an omitted plan they omitted a plan for emergency water injection and seawater injection in the event of a coolant failure. TEPCO omitted preparation for emergency telecommunication lines in order to coordinate rescue plans. And TEPCO had no preparation for securing equipment, materials, and operators. And again, this is as of 2012. So here's the thing. In conclusion, this is all from the piece I wrote in 2012. The loss of human life and environmental safety caused by the Fukushima Daiichi disaster of March 11, 2011 was not inevitable. Due to a deadly combination of incompetent planning, obfuscation of facts, and corporate greed, an environmental disaster of potentially global proportions has been set loose on all of us. Allowing corporations to hide behind proprietary trade secrets when they commit what can only be called environmental crimes has become a legal sanctuary favored by the most blue blood of law firms. This last item is the most damning of all these crimes, a crime against humanity and this entire world is unfolding. How we deal with this disaster will determine whether future generations survive. To quote nuclear expert Arnie Gunderson, keep in mind forever is a very long time. So the reason I covered that was to give you a historic perspective of what was happening before Fukushima, the incompetence and the recklessness, the ne massive negligence that was in place 
that led up to the Fukushima disaster. You have to understand the history in order to try and decide if the present list of characters are going to be safe judges, fair judges of what's going to be the best situation right now. And I agree with the UN. I think that we have a situation here where we cannot, we cannot trust TEPCO. We cannot afford to trust the Japanese government. Hell, we can't afford to trust the U.S. government when it comes to this. Republicans, Democrats, it makes no difference. Not on this. This is about money. Unless we have independent teams of scientists that will not face any retaliation so they can really report what's happening honestly and come up with the best possible plan. We know there's no great plan. We can't trust what's happening otherwise. So there's a little more. You know, Fukushima, South Korea is upset, so is China. They're neighboring nations, and frankly, I don't blame them. So um, the South, South Korea basically called Japan's envoy, you know, on the rug, so to speak, okay? And South Korea has expressed, quote, strong regret over the Japanese decision. Um, the South Korean Foreign Ministry, they summoned Japan's top envoy to Seoul. South Korea's Vice Foreign Minister Choi Jong-moon met with the Japanese Ambassador Koichi Iboshi, that's according to official channels. And basically, we have a problem, Houston. So the question is, why is Japan releasing the Fukushima discharge? Okay, well, Suga's cabinet decided on this particular plan of action. And they said they called it an inevitable task. And, you know, Suga's office also said that the release, in other words, the beginning, the dump of nuclear contaminated water is only going to happen, quote, after ensuring the safety levels of the water uh, and alongside measures to, quote, prevent reputational damage, end quote. I don't get that reputational damage, I'd be worried about environmental damage, not reputational damage. But once again, the operator's TEPCO, the Tokyo Electric Power Company, and TEPCO said that right now there are these tanks, about a 1,000 tanks, massive tanks, that are storing this contaminated water. But they're saying that space for the tanks is going to run out by 2022. But there are some officials and experts that don't agree with that assessment. So what are the consequences? Now, some scientists have, you know, basically said that the long-term effects on marine life from low-dose exposure to such large amounts of water is unknown right now. Okay. Um, Greenpeace, their senior nuclear specialist, Sean Burney, um, cited significant risk, including increased cancer risk. So Sean Burney said that the Fukushima discharges couldn't be safe. Uh, now, the official government, the government officials, as well as TEPCO, um, they admit that tritium is going to be in the mix, but that doesn't cause harm, according to them, in small amounts. The tritium can't be removed from the water. But there's a bunch of other, what they call selected radionuclides, 
that they're saying they can bring down to a, quote, a level suitable for release, end quote. But Bernie challenges that, the Greenpeace, um, the Greenpeace nuclear expert. According to Bernie, quote, other re radioactive isotopes like strontium-90, which could be released by these discharges, um, concentrates in the bones of both fish and, and humans, increasing cancer risk, end quote. Bernie went on to say, quote, any radioactivity that's released into the environment will have a consequence. It doesn't mean there's an inevitability that is guaranteed that you will have a health effect of cancer, but it increases the radiation burden, and that's not acceptable, end quote. Um, and Bernie pointed out that the alternative to Japan's decision to dump water into the ocean could be long-term waste storage. And Bernie added that the Japanese government previously claimed that there was enough available space outside of Fukushima to store the waste. We don't know what's true because, once again, we don't have the whole world involved. This was a closed decision. Farmers in Japan, Fukushima farmers, they call themselves, they're going to fight this plan. There's a lot of local opposition. But also, major powers such as China are against this as well. In fact, Beijing, Beijing China's foreign ministry spokesperson, Zhao Lijian, uh, expressed some very dire concerns about this plan. And according to Lijian, quote, China has expressed grave concern to the Japanese side through the diplomatic channel, urging Japan to handle the issue of wastewater disposal from the Fukushima nuclear power plant in a prudent and responsible manner, end quote. South Korea's foreign ministry official Choi Young-sam quoted also, and Sam said that Japan's decision, quote, can have direct and indirect impact on the safety of our people and the surrounding environment, end quote. So, now we have an article from Bloomberg, which I find really interesting. And it was written by Aaron Clark um, just this past Monday. And the headline is, U.S. Friends Join China in Ripping Japan Plan on Fukushima Water. Okay, and U.S. partners, uh, South Korea and Taiwan, joined China in their opposition to Japan's plan to dump this spent, um, to dump this uh, contaminated water into the ocean uh, from Fukushima Daiichi. And it would start in about two years. Now, these three governments have coastlines nearby. I don't blame them for being angry. And they criticized Japan's announcement, saying that it would, Japan's announcement that this would be controlled releases that would last for decades. What is a controlled release? Okay. What are the criterion? for this controlled release. We're, what we're getting in most of the corporate media is this, uh, these very vague terms, but no statement of criterion, criterion requirements. How can you measure it? How can you know what's going on if they don't release the criterion? You can't, and that's part of the plan. Um, South Korea said this is going to risk the marine environment and the safety of neighboring countries to Japan. China said um, that they were going to reserve the right to take further action, which sounds ominous. Um, Chinese Foreign Minister Spokesman Zhao Lijian went on to say, quote, 
Despite doubts and opposition from home and abroad, Japan has unilaterally decided to release the Fukushima nuclear wastewater into the sea before exhausting all safe ways of disposal and without fully consulting with neighboring countries and the international community. This is highly irresponsible, end quote. Now, here's the part that really is scary because I would expect this from a Trump administration, not necessarily from Biden. Our government, the U.S. government, they're saying the decision Japan made is, quote, in line with global standards. It is. And the head of the International Atomic Energy Agency um, said that the IAEA, that this global body, would help make sure the plan is carried out, quote, without an adverse impact on human health and the environment, end quote. How can they do that? How can they know that? And my question is this. They're, they're claiming that the IAEA, which is part of the UN, is fine with this, and yet the UN was reportedly pleading with Japanese officials to make a different plan, or at least wait until after COVID when a team could be assembled to investigate. How is it that Bloomberg News missed this point? I mean, was it just recklessness, or were they told to miss it? Just a question. And Japanese Prime Minister Suga is quoted as saying, quote, disposing of the treated water is an unavoidable issue for decommissioning the Fukushima nuclear power plant. Okay. Now, keep in mind, the water we're talking about has been estimated to be enough to fill more than 500 Olympic-sized swimming pools. And U.S. backing is right there with Japan. In fact, Japanese Prime Minister Suga is going to be the first foreign leader to have an in-person summit with President Biden ahead of the climate conference. And that's as reported by Bloomberg. And I, I have a real problem with that. Okay, Japan has been reckless. And I think we should deal fairly with this. But once again, this is the the nuclear industry, a lot of people don't realize, is the fossil fuel industry. Because quite a few of the major fossil fuel players have heavily invested in the nuclear industry. That's something a lot of people don't realize. So... It gets worse. Now, Japan, at this climate conference, it's rumored they might announce new 2030 emissions reduction targets so that they can meet their promise to be carbon neutral by 2050. But there are some government officials that say that Japan, in order to meet those reduction targets, that they'll need to restart almost every nuclear reactor that they shuttered right after the 2011 Fukushima meltdown, and then build more. My God, could it get more reckless? And then we have Biden's Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken. Blinken is quoted, according to Bloomberg, as saying, quote, we thank Japan for its transparent efforts in its decision to dispose of the treated water from the Fukushima Daiichi site, end quote. And that's what U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken said on Twitter. 
Okay. What planet is Blinken living on? There is nothing transparent about what Japan has done leading up to Fukushima, during Fukushima, and now after, 10 years later. So the question is this. Is Blinken, what is Anthony Blinken's deal? Is he stupid, insane, or criminal? Which is it? Uh, for those of you who say, oh, you're a leftist, Janine, you, you know, you never criticize Democrats. Well, I am now. Because, once again, I don't care about the label. I care about the action. And this is really dangerous. Now, it is true that discharging the wastewater from nuclear plants is considered common practice in the nuclear industry. And Japan has said these releases will meet global deadlines. But once again, with Japan's history leading up to Fukushima during and after, their word is worthless. I'm sorry. Without actual independent monitoring that cannot be interfered with, no proprietary uh, trade secrets to hide behind, we can't really know. Okay. Now, Japan's Ministry of Economy, Trade, and Industry made this recommendation. Listen to that title. Their Ministry of Economy, Trade, and Industry. So basically, it's businessmen and economists, I guess. Again, my question is, how are businessmen and economists qualified to make these decisions, which are purely scientific in nature? Now, there is another possibility. The water could be released into the ocean or evaporated. Okay? But again, it evaporates into the air, then what? Okay? So, once again, we have a big mess here. According to, and again, these discharges, in other words, dumping of this radioactive contaminated water will take decades. And that is as documented by a December 29 report from METI, um, Tokyo Electric Power Company Holdings, Inc. Meanwhile, cycled in water to keep fuel and debris cool at the Fukushima site. But According to this article, fresh groundwater flows in daily and then becomes contaminated. Then the water is pumped out and cleaned in the process and removes most of the radioactive elements except for tritium. And then it's stored in one of those thousand tanks at the site. Okay. Again, there's very little transparency. We have to take their word for it. And again, the UN was pleading with Japan, wait until after COVID so we can have independent monitoring come in as scientific teams to see what's really going on. Okay. But there's more. Now, obviously, Greenpeace criticized Japan's plan. Okay. And um, give me a second here. We're having a few technical difficulties, my friends. Okay, we're good. Um, and Greenpeace said there are other options. Quote, 
According to Greenpeace, quote, rather than using the best available technology to minimize radiation hazards by storing and processing the water over the long term, they have opted for the cheapest option, dumping the water into the Pacific Ocean, end quote. The IAEA said in a report in April 2020 that METI's recommendations were, quote, based on a sufficiently comprehensive analysis and on a sound, sound scientific and technical basis. Taiwan's Economic Energy Commission Council, I'm sorry, um, has some real problems with the decision. They were opposed earlier on. Um, Taiwan's Atomic Energy Council apparently has their headquarters, I guess, in Taipei. They set up 33 monitoring spots in waters near Taiwan to assess any radioactive impact. Okay. Hu Jin, who's an editor at a what's called the Global Times newspaper, which is communist-backed, um, said, accused the U.S. approving of the plan because the U.S. was trying to, quote, cement Japan's loyalty, end quote. And, uh, excuse me, on Twitter, um, Hu Jin also said, quote, the U.S. thinks it's far from Japan and has the least risk but ocean currents mean it will face the same risk in the future, end quote. So there's more there. Um, and we're going to be talking about this on and on and on. Um, there are other radioactive elements in this water. It isn't just the tritium, okay? That's the thing people don't realize. Um, there was a, let's see now. Chairman of the Hong Kong Nuclear Society named Luke Bing Lam and um, claimed that there's other radioactive substances that might be in the wastewater. Quote, there's a long list of other radioactive substances that could be present like cesium-137 and strontium-90. They may be present at high levels. And this is again, Luke Bing Lam, Chairman of the Hong Kong Nuclear Society. Greenpeace also suggests that carbon-14 which is a radioactive isotope of carbon, might also be in the water. Um, so Luke, you know, explained that, okay, tritium can cause cancer, but it, it would probably be diluted by seawater, um, and the dosage is low, so it's not likely to cause cancer in the long term. And Luke pointed out that the biological half-life of tritium is 10 days, so it doesn't get a chance to really accumulate. But, you know, is Japan downplaying it? Luke also said that they need, the Japanese government and other governments need to monitor other radioactive elements. Um, again, he mentioned cesium-137, strontium-90 that are present. Um, and again, why is Japan doing this? Again, they're running out of space to store the wastewater. Um, but... TEPCO also wants to decommission the plant between 2041 and 2051, and this is according to an article um, written by Cheryl Hang in the South China Morning Post. And um, didn't mean to skip over that, folks. So, um, and again, Luke also warned that there has to be stringent monitoring by the international community to make sure that these isotopes aren't there in high levels. 
Um, as for decommissioning Fukushima in 10 to 20 years, um, you know, basically, you know, they have to do something, but this is not necessarily the best way. Okay. So we have kind of a mess here. Now, Science Magazine, also an article by Dennis Norneal, also remarked on this. And, you know, what they're talking about here, um, you know, they mentioned the only practical ways to dispose of this wastewater is either you know, dumping it into the sea or vapor release, which is basically evaporation. And both have been done before. And, um, you know, they did mention how TEPCO runs the water through what's called a complex chain of filters called the Advanced Liquid Processing System, and that this treatment does capture 62 types, kinds of radionuclides, but not tritium. Um, and they also say that now, this, according to this report, they're saying that tritium has a 12.3-year half-life, which is short-term, but in large amounts, we don't know what it would do. Okay? But there's, again, more dangerous isotopes with longer radioactive lifetimes that are involved, including, besides tritium, such as ruthenium, cobalt, strontium, and plutonium. And these sometimes actually slip through the ALPS process. And TEPCO itself acknowledged that in 2018, as late as that. Um, and TEPCO now does admit that these additional nuclides are actually present in approximately 71% of the tanks. Okay? So, you know, once again, we don't know what's going to happen with this. It's out of control. And I wanted to give you guys an understanding in my article, for instance, about what led up to Fukushima, what we now call Fukushima. What were the contributing causes, the massive negligence? Because every time in the past when I've written and covered these environmental disasters, whether it was BP scandal, um, Deepwater Horizon, Fukushima, whatever, um, whether it's Westlake Landfill, each and every time there's been massive corporate negligence, period. And on this Earth Day, you know, this Earth has hit a tipping point. It's not just about worrying about ourselves, but what about our children and our grandchildren? Will they have an Earth that is habitable? And that's not uh, that's not histrionic. It's true. So you know, in conclusion, so basically, we talked about the history of it leading up to Fukushima, during and after, because it is relevant to this lack of transparency, not only by the Japanese government, this lack of transparency from corporate in general when they hide behind proprietary rule, pr proprietary uh, rights, nonsense. Absolute nonsense. This is an instance where the law has failed to catch up with corporate greed and with science. So this is what's happening in Fukushima. It's a big mess. 
And again, just like the UN said, they pleaded with the Suga government, with the Japanese, to delay this, at least until after COVID is under reasonable control so they could send teams of independent scientists to see what would be the best course of action and to monitor to make sure that TEPCO is doing what it's supposed to be doing. Because at the end of the day, TEPCO is still a corporation and it's still all about money. And their history, in my opinion, has been if the choice was between safety and doing what was considered sound practice or squeaking some more profit, they go for profit, just like most corporations. may not be fair, but it's how I feel. So in conclusion, on this Earth Day, the IAEA, the International um, Atomic Energy Agency, they concluded the Japanese plan is in accordance with present scientific standards. Many scientists do agree. Obviously, the environmental community and nearby nations don't. Is this a case of NIMBY, not in my backyard, or a legitimate concern given the present level of scientific consensus? And I would say it's a legitimate concern. These issues are grave, and nearby nations have a right to be concerned. Unfortunately, the technological and scientific knowledge to date limits any fair and intelligent response. Nuclear energy is not clean or safe. We do not presently possess the ability to make nuclear energy clean and safe. That is the inconvenient truth. In my opinion, the nuclear industry is much like a gaggle of infants playing with fire and screaming when they get burned. It's just another case of technological proponents opting for the good enough scenario while ignoring any early warnings or demanding any effective fail-safe measures. Unfortunately, the world will be paying for, this, for the reckless actions of TEPCO and other similar corporate entities who place profit before humanity. Perhaps the questions here shouldn't have such a laser focus on the dumping issue. Perhaps as a planet, we need to demand a moratorium on nuclear energy and nuclear weapons until we find a way to dispose of waste material safely. Perhaps wealthier nations need to stop being climate hypocrites. We have, as wealthier nations, we have absolutely no damn right to demand that very poor people in India, for instance, or in Africa, either give up fossil fuels or go without when we're not doing the same. When we place the stock market profits above all of humanity. This has to change, people. It just does. We're destroying this planet. And we're doing so not because we're all of each other. We're doing it for a stupid reason, because the people that run the planet are the very rich, and they're greedy. And the problem with greed is greed is an addiction. At one point, do the rich have enough? When you think about it, the very wealthy who are characterized by extreme greed are addicts. Our governments, our plants being run by a bunch of lunatic addicts and their drug of choice is greed. Something to think about this Earth Day. And to all fellow environmentalists from Greta Thunberg on down to the little kid at the elementary school, 
I hope this report has been illuminating. And we will be back again next week here at the Environmental Justice Report talking about these type of issues again. And to that I say good night and God bless.